Hello everyone and welcome to episode 11 of Sights on Sinnoh, the Diamond and Pearl anime podcast. My name is Will and today I'm joined again by Brady. How's it going? Hey, doing well. How about yourself? Pretty good. These two episodes I found like an kind of interesting follow-up to the whole gym battle arc. And I was wondering if you got a chance to watch those also. Yeah, I've watched all of them up until this point so far. Cool, okay. I was surprised that these came right after that, given the, like, tone and kind of plot of those two. Um, it's a very interesting turn for the show, in my opinion. The gym battles or the episodes we're covering today? Uh, the ones today, which are episodes 19 and 20 of the Diamond and Pearl anime. The first one titled... Twice smitten, one shy. And the blurb for that reads, When Dawn comes across a wild pachirisu, it's so cute that she just has to catch it. Catching it turns out to be the easy part. Because Dawn's new pachirisu pachirisu, turns out to be so hyperactive that it wears everyone out before she can even start to train it. Is pachirisu really too much for Dawn to handle? Before long, Dawn is convinced that she's not up to the job and releases it back into the wild. And you never played the Sinnoh games, so I'm wondering what was your first thoughts on the introduction of Pachirisu? So I've seen Pachirisu previously. I don't know if it was in maybe one of the other games like X and Y, Sun and Moon. Uh, It might be in those. I don't think it's in Sword and Shield off the top of my head. But I do remember seeing it and thinking it's a very cute Pokemon. So I was excited when I saw that Dawn was going to catch this. Um, but turns out it's not just cute. It's really energetic. I like that for its personality. Yeah, it's it's all over the place. And I, it's it kind of leads the episode into a bit of a slapstick situation, at least for the first half. Which is odd like i kind of like it liked it for being different than the other parts of the episode or like the other tones of of the episode but at the same time it seemed a little ridiculous at at a certain point yes um so i i feel like i'm pretty critical about anime episodes and just in general regardless of whether it's pokemon or anything else and episodes that kind of feel like they're fillery. Mm-hmm. And a lot of this episode did feel or feel like filler with them just running around chasing the Pachirisu. But I think they did it in a way that it didn't feel like a chore to watch. Yeah, it was still entertaining. And there was some through line through the whole thing that kept me a bit more engaged in it if it were more of like a random like oh we're just gonna make a funny moment out of this Pachirisu joining the party it was very cartoony too like mm-hmm. you know you say that as a cartoon but it was very <laughs> cartoony where like all the Pokemon were chasing the Pachirisu and they all jumped in at the same time and then it just kind of like stops in slow motions and Pachirisu runs away and they all collide head first together I love that yeah <laughs> I I remember watching that as a kid and I was like, this doesn't seem efficient. And like the only part of the whole sequence where 
it's basically Dawn, Ash, and not Brock actually not participating in this, but at Dawn and Ash sending out their Pokemon to go and chase the Pachirisu. I was like, this would. I want to say this is played up for comedy, but then the music is really intense the whole time. <laughs> yeah. So to me, I was like, I think they're going for that, but the music choice kind of undermines it a little bit. Uh, I noticed it a little bit, but it wasn't like one of the first things that popped out to me. Okay. Yeah, that might be because it was like my second or third time watching that sequence, at least since I've seen it before. But just speaking of sequences, I feel I feel like now that we've introduced the cold opens, they are my favorite. But this episode, I think, had a pretty decent one, at least in the way it was edited. Yeah, I I don't really like the cold opens. I feel like maybe there are certain episodes that it works well for, but mm-hmm. for doing it for like everyone, or at least it feels like it's been every single one since... Uh, maybe the contest seems overdone and almost forced. Mm-hmm. I think this one did an okay job at that, but again, like what purpose does it serve? I don't really think it was needed. Yeah, I, I can never put my finger on the exact intent behind these cold opens because if it's just one scene, I'm like, all right, that's, okay to kind of give an idea of like what to expect but it's always three like two to three moments from the episode and they're compiled in a way that don't necessarily get me invested as much as confused yeah i think most of the episodes would just be a lot better without that yeah like you have the narrator that's worked for the last nine seasons (laughs) i felt like that was a good way to kind of Maybe bring people in if they haven't seen the last episode rather than like put together these screenshots or like put together these moments from the episode that don't necessarily flow as an introduction to what's going to happen. But this did mark, I think, the first time that you've been on an episode of the podcast where we have someone new join the party. Is that right? Um, trying to think. Well, technically, you were here for when Starly joined the party. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Ash did catch Starly. Yeah, I kind of forgot about that, actually. It it happened so fast that it didn't, Mm -hmm. it wasn't like a big monumental catch, I don't feel like. Yeah, it was like the Uh, C-plot in the... It was like, hey, I'm going to catch this bird so I can help look for Pikachu from up above. Yeah, there was like zero connection to this bird. It was just like, ah, I need something to give me eyes in the sky. Yeah. So what did you think about, yeah, this one in comparison? I thought Dawn did a pretty good job. Uh, I don't know why she went in with the Pipla first. Maybe she didn't fully realize (laughs) that Pachirisu is electric. I don't think she knew. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure because she didn't use the Pokédex from what we saw. Uh, we mm-hmm. knew that she was like crouched down around it for Broxid for a long time. Uh, so maybe she had already pulled out her Pokédex at that point, like off screen. What I did notice is the Pachirisu made the Piplup dizzy 
And so she returned mm. it. Yes. And then later on, she brought it back out, which removes removed its confusion. And I thought that that was really cool because that's how it works in the games. Yes, I'm glad you brought that up because there's two elements of that that I really liked. Is one, it's an in-game mechanic that they're kind of adapting to the show by showing, oh, if you withdraw Pokemon to its ball, confusion wears off. But also, I'm not sure if you saw this episode, when she was fighting Baniri for the first time, that's where she learned that confusion was a status because Baniri hit Piplup with Dizzy Punch. And yeah. Brock and Ash explained, oh, put it back in its ball. Like, calm down, put it back in its ball, you'll be fine. Uh, I didn't pick up on that second part, but um, I did pick up on whenever there's a confused Pokemon, a bunch mm-hmm. of Torchics run around their head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know why they choose Torchic, but I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's cute. I don't think they, well, they could maybe done like Farfetch or something as like the duck, but I think Torchic's a cute choice. So yeah, it was a really cool payoff uh, in terms of Dawn as a trainer being like, oh, I'll just put Piplup back in and not freaking out like she did the first time, which is cool. It does put up a bit of a fight with Sweet Kiss, with, I think, Sweet Kiss and Bark or something. And then Dawn manages to catch it after some damage and immediately like goes into training, I guess, right? What do you mean goes into training? Like, they started training right away? Yeah, because I remember she... Oh, no, no, no. They go to sleep at night, actually. Yes. She, like, has Pachirisu, like, a plush next to her, which is so adorable. That uh, That's what I thought was strange, was... Like, you have this Pokemon that you just caught, and you're letting it sleep right next to you. So, to yeah. me, that's like, oh, okay. So, maybe once you catch a Pokemon, it... Mm. like automatically obeys you kind of like it does in the game but like does it also become your friend mm-hmm. um is there something like registered in its data that it has to like you which we've seen that's not the case before but i was just kind of confused by the mechanics of that or if there is any reason for it but the scene of them sleeping together was cute but then it just i think it allowed me to be caught off guard for what was Mm going to happen the following day. Yeah, that's a good point because you would think that with that amount of time together, she would have found out how Pachirisu's personality is so energetic, but it's a whole day basically until she gets to that realization and she's had it like outside the ball and everything. So yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I didn't think about theme of this episode to me is a lot of dawn being self-conscious because it starts off with her kind of getting her hair together and it shows that she's got like a big emphasis on how she looks and her image with that um and that kind of stresses her out later on when she's trying to train pachirisu and she can't get it to obey her as she tries to, like, return it to its ball. So she gets her other two Pokemon, Baniri and Piplup, to try and help her with that. And throughout the thing, it, which goes off the walls, her hair also gets shocked and she she's just freaking out about having a bad hair day. Yes. I think 
that was stronger and subtle storytelling than I would have thought the first time that I saw this episode. Just how she was more focused like on her beauty and the maybe the whole aspect of being a uh, what's it called? A contest coordinator person. coordinator. I want to keep saying conductor, but that's a train. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, mm-hmm. so yeah, so she's, like she's focused on the whole package of being the coordinator and not necessarily like what's right in front of her at that time. Yeah, because throughout the whole thing, I'm surprised that Brock didn't point this out, but I felt like someone should have realized that Patrice is just playing. Like, it's not behaving like this because it dislikes Dawn. It's not trying to be rebellious. It's just its nature to kind of act the way it does. And Dawn doesn't really see that from what I can tell. She's more focused on the end result rather than kind of focusing on what's there and what's the reality of this Pachirisu being a hyperactive electric squirrel that kind of just wants to play. Yeah, I think some of that is maybe her ignoring or not understanding its personality, mm-hmm. where that's been a big theme so far that I've seen in the uh, season 10. Mm. is they bring up that all these different Pokemon have all these different personalities that no two Pokemon are going to have the same personality. And uh, at one point someone said there's more personalities than there are Pokemon. (laughs) And so uh, I don't know if they know how much Pokemon there are later on, but you know, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) that's, I like to think there's about a thousand personalities plus probably, (laughs) probably. I mean, the, the thing that I, kind of account all this to is that she has Piplup and she's Baneary. And Baneary was probably easier to tame given that it already had a crush on Pikachu. So there was some motivation for it to join the party. While Pachirisu is is a wild child. <laughs> like she just found this thing in the middle of the field apparently. Even though it's a squirrel and I would assume it's like in the tree somewhere. And decided to to catch it there. So I think maybe as a new trainer, this is just showing her experience with various personalities, as you said, and like various types of Pokemon also. Yeah, because Pikachu is pretty wild in the beginning, too. Mm, So mm -hmm. electric types, uh, maybe they're just difficult to train or uh, maybe you just have to have more patience with them because they have so much energy. Totally. Yeah, I, I... I think that's where it comes down to here because it's the first electric type that I think anyone other than Ash has had in their party since the anime started. So I wonder if I wonder if that was kind of the big deal of this. It's like, oh look, we got the the next uh, Pikachu clone here with uh, Pachirisu. But. In the end, this leads to a whole lot of shenanigans with chasing Pachirisu around and music that I think is way too dramatic for a scene that's supposed to come off as comedic, but it ends with everyone being exhausted, Pachirisu also fainting from using its discharge. I I guess it just, like, it was so exhausted after all that playing. 
and Don goes to pick up the Pachirisu and is like, oh, you're, like, stop it. You're you're pretending to be knocked out, which to me was another point to, she doesn't get this Pokemon yet. And she's still not understanding that this Pokemon is not, is not doing this out of, like, maliciousness. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Um, I think Brock says something in a little bit that mm. kind of clears that up. What does he say? Do you remember? Um, I, I don't know the exact wording of it, but I don't know if you wanted to just jump into this part already. Uh, but after she releases the Pachirisu, mm-hmm. Brock says something about how you guys haven't had enough time to figure each other out. Type yes. of deal. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I think you're calling it quits like too soon. Right. And I think that um, that goes back to what you were saying is uh, she's just doesn't have that experience yet but that doesn't mean that she can't in the future Mm -hmm. yeah that's that's probably the wisest thing to get from that it's like her realizing like she just needs to take her time with this um like even when she's releasing pachirisu she pachirisu is (laughs) like super um cozy around her but she doesn't understand and if she just had more time, like Brock says, she probably would have gotten more of an attachment and understanding of Bacharisu. But right after that is when we cut to Team Rocket actually trying to catch Bacharisu. Jesse specifically immediately being interested in it, but it does not it, it does not like Jesse enough to get stuck in the Pokeball and runs away from them and hits back the Pokeball in their face. So I thought that was pretty satisfying, seeing this super adorable Pokemon kind of reject Team Rocket. And after that pep talk that Brock and Ash gave Dawn, that motivates her to go back and catch the Pachirisu again. And yeah, this is where we kind of get them facing off. Um, After she actually, uh, there's a note that she sees a cloud shaped like Pachirisu in the sky, which I thought was funny. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, I was like, oh, okay. Um, but immediately they're they so they confront each other and Dawn is already kind of saying, Hey, that's my Pachirisu, but Jesse calls her out on it and says, If it was your Pachirisu, why don't you call it back to your Pokeball? Because she knows that because her ball was able to to like open up when it touched Bachirisu, that's still wild. That technically doesn't belong to anyone. Uh, so I thought that was a kind of cool moment where Jesse's technically right. Like they're not stealing this from anyone because Don released it. What did you yeah. think about that kind of? It was a very weird interaction there because mm-hmm. It's like you are used to them always stealing a Pokemon, but this time it's like, well, technically it's fair game. Yeah. <laughs> and this is, but this immediately does not last because they suggest to kind of have a competition to see who Patricia likes more. And Jesse's like, all right, give me all the food. <laughs> I'm going to bait this Pachirisu into coming with us. Um, but that doesn't seem to work as it just goes over, shocks them, and then goes over back to Dawn. And Dawn's like, oh, okay, you do like me. And 
Team Rocket, Jesse specifically, is not happy about this, so they get into their balloon and try to grab Pachirisu with their mechanical hand. And Pachirisu dodges! I think this is the first time we see that, actually. Where a Pokemon that Team Rocket tries to catch it actually gets out of the way of the hand. Which I was like, finally! Like, someone's, someone's like, on their feet enough to dodge that. Like, and this Pokemon's only just met Team Rocket mm-hmm. compared to all the other Pokemon who have gotten grabbed, like, five times. Yeah, everyone else is just, like, like a Are you not duck. gonna learn? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Patrice is a quick learner, clearly. Oh yeah, so they start to try to grab the Pachirisu, but they use like a the a hole in their mechanical hand to shoot a sticky substance to keep everyone stuck to the ground so they can't chase or use or like come after the Pokemon. Uh and this ends up in Dawn being immobilized around this Pachirisu, who also gets stuck. Um, so Team Rocket comes down and uses, like, a, a cleaning solution to dissolve the, the, like, substance around the Pokemon. And Dawn is just heartbroken. She's like, no, Patrice, stay with me. But she goes along with, um, and they even, like, take off in the balloon. When they got stuck in the gum-like substance... Mm-hmm. I love how Piplup was upside down. Like its head was oh, stuck really? in the gum, <laughs> and it uh, and its feet were like up in the air. It's like, what? How did you? It was it was really cute. It was like, how did you even end up like that? See, uh, I'm thinking because Piplup is like shown to kind of fly in this episode. It probably like got hit in the head and just like fell forward. <laughs> yeah, so I thought that was really funny. Um, but yeah, after they released the Pachirisu from the sticky substance it jumped up on jesse's shoulder and Mm -hmm. just kind of went with them and honestly it looked happy so i was like maybe maybe this is the end of pachirisu and uh being don's pokemon i was like i don't i don't know if that's actually gonna happen but i guess i could see it and if pachirisu is happy then i mean i can't be mad about it right it's like yeah, technically they're not playing super clean, but it's a wild Pokemon. Yeah, I mean, if you really want that Pokemon, you have to try harder. Use your uh, use your own machines back, Don. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like send Starly out or Staravia. I don't think it's sucking gum yet or something. But this leads us to the heel turn of the very short-lived membership of Team Rocket with Pachirisu using Discharge to blow up the hot air balloon and then running back with something in its mouth all the way because this balloon's like traveled for a few miles at this point um but Pachirisu runs all the way back to Dawn and shows that it's carrying the dissolvent of the sticky substance uh in its mouth so that's the long con that Pachirisu was pulling, is that it knows that Dawn and everyone else is stuck, and they can't get out until they use that solvent. Which I thought was kind of cute. It's like, oh, Pachirisu's like super hyperactive and super energetic, but it's also smart. It realizes that it, can, it needs to trick others sometimes to get what it wants. Yeah, Pachirisu is uh, definitely smarter than me because I was thinking while I was up in that balloon, 
what are you doing, Pachirisu? Like, even as I was doing the discharge, I'm like, why did you go through all this hassle? Did you, were you just trolling Team Rocket at this point? <laughs> and then it comes back with, like, this potion that dissolves the sticky substance, and it's like, oh, I guess that makes sense. You're yeah. way smarter than me. <laughs> it was, I didn't it was, even think of that. It was playing 4D chess with all of us, apparently. Yeah. I I was like, oh, that's neat. It's It kind of shows um, that not everyone in this show is, like, front-facing with their problems. Sometimes they'll go around if they need to get a solution, which they did in this case. Um, and then this... This really brings closure to Dawn because she's like, oh, you do like me. Like, you went through all that trouble. And even though I didn't really understand you, you understood what was happening in order to, to like, save all of us, actually. Which I thought was a, was a cute way to kind of show Pachirisu and Dawn growing as a trainer. Yeah, I think it was a good ending. It was a, a good way to close the episode of how wild it was in Don's insecurities of being potentially Pachirisu's trainer. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it, you know, I think it just showed Don that there's more to Pokemon than just catching them. And then they're instantly going to be your friends and get along right. kind of like how it worked out with Baneri. Yeah. She's really kind of learning how Pokemon are really unique in a lot of ways. And she just kind of has to learn how to, interact with them a little differently because they're not all going to be the same experience and she finds that out a lot throughout the season actually i'm i'm kind of realizing now that pachirisu's kind of the beginning of that arc for her so that'll be cool for you to find out as we keep going but i believe this is also uh if i'm checking here correctly yeah so as i was saying before about pachirisu as an electric type Dawn's capture of Pachirisu represents the first time a main character has caught an Electro-type Pokemon since Ash received Pikachu in the first episode. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty big. And this is also the second episode where a character releases a Pokemon and then recatches it after Wings and Things, in which Zachary Evans releases and catches uh, his Yanma, which is literally just like a character of the week kind of thing so i don't know why they're like putting that much emphasis in it but it's also so that means that this is the first time a main character goes through that where they catch release and re-catch a pokemon i i'm like i'm kind of amazed that that hasn't happened before the only thing somewhat similar to that would be uh when Ash is on the SSN and makes that right. trade, I think he, he trades Butterfree, right? Yes, he trades Butterfree for Raticate. Raticate. Mm-hmm. And then as the ship's like sinking, he's like, no, this Raticate <laughs> sucks. I need my Butterfree back. Uh, that's like yeah. the only thing that is kind of close to that. Yeah, uh, I was going to say, like, that's the only thing that's even similar. And that was way back in season one, also. But I don't know. I. I I'm curious if I would want to see more of this or just seeing a case like this once is enough for me because I feel like if they did this too often, it would be kind of oversaturating and 
lose the impact that this had. So I might I might be more on the side like, oh, this is kind of cool to see in the anime depicted. Um but I wouldn't necessarily be super like, oh my gosh, excited that they're doing it again in some future instance. Yeah, I thought it was okay. Um just trying to relate it to a video game experience you don't really have the opportunity to re-catch your pokemon once you release Mm -hmm. it Uh, but i think this adds more impact to the anime like showing these pokemon are real and they're still out there versus in a game it's like oh they're digital (laughs) code you release them and you can catch 20 more pretty easily yeah when you release it it's just gone forever but you can find like a ton of unique copies of it in just in the wild, but never the same one. Unfortunately, I. How would you feel about being able to catch Pokemon that other people have had and released before? Ooh, interesting. Would they have their trainer ID? Like maybe a like yes. Maybe they had original trainer, and then they would have like new trainer or something like that. So yeah, they would have your ID and their ID. Uh, that would be cool. I would like that, especially with Breejex. Mm-hmm. Because that's the closest thing that we get is probably like people wonder trading away Pokemon that they they aren't going to use because they breathed a different version of it that's better. Yeah, I think that would be a fun mechanic if there was like a uh, a special online daycare where if mm. you didn't want the reject or whatever you want to call it at the time if you don't want that pokemon and you release it there then people on your friends list can encounter them and re-catch them i think that would be really cool yeah I, it would be a nice way of going around the the idea of like oh people trading something just as a favor and then like getting some other thing that they release anyway because they don't really want it they're just kind of giving it to someone there isn't a, like a one-way avenue to give someone else a pokemon and this would be a neat part of the world building like i would imagine you're in the wild area near the daycare and that's where you're like told oh yeah we had someone like release this pokemon a while ago so it's like hanging out around here if you want to go find it or something oh like it could be a rare spawn or something like that yeah like a daily kind of um migration thing that they do in the Sinnoh games and in like future games where like oh there's a swarm of these Pokemon um, spawning around here for some reason and then you go to that route and then the next day it resets yeah I think that would be awesome yeah because you could also like get experience boost from it and um, make it easier to breed your own Pokemon even um, because usually I think if it's with a traded Pokemon they're more likely to breed so, yeah, a lot of cool concepts there that I think could pay off in future generations and w- wouldn't be against seeing for sure. Well, now I expect that in Brilliant Diamond and Shining <laughs> Pearl, and if it's not in it, then we riot. Oh, jeez. You better be listening, Game Freak. <laughs> <laughs> um, make ball capsules cool again. Hash- and I'll make that hashtag some way. Okay. But uh, wrapping this up, what would you rate Diamond and Pearl episode 19? twice smitten one shy uh, that's tough because 
I feel like there wasn't a whole lot of story that ended up happening, mm-hmm. but I feel like for the for the lack of like story advancement, a lot still kind of happened in its own personal way. I don't know. So I'd say it's probably like a a seven seven and a half. Okay, like I'd I'd rewatch it. Yeah. That's, I think, the struggle with this episode, as our listeners might have caught on, is that there's both a lot, yet nothing really substantial happening in this episode. And it's definitely one that I think is more for entertainment value if you're just catching it on TV or enjoying it with someone else. But it's hard to recommend as something for someone to just watch as recommended reading for this season. So I would probably end up giving it a 6 out of 10 because there's a lot of cute high points here, but I think it could have been communicated clear where Dawn's relationship is with Pasharisu and maybe give some more context to them trading and rather than like sleeping with this Pachirisu overnight and then the next day finding out that they have communication issues, which I thought was kind of a weird setup. Um, yeah, so there's just things here that are left to, des- left to be desired that I think could boost up this episode a lot more. Yeah, any final thoughts on Pachirisu? Um, I really do like Pachirisu. I liked its character mm-hmm. in the episode. I think the design is really cute. I think the colors go well together. Uh, the only thing that I'm not a fan about Pachirisu is that it doesn't evolve. Um, mm, it's like I want to evolve. I struggle with like my favorite Pokemon are like cute Pokemon. I like them better than these awesome end game Pokemon. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, such as like Cyndaquil or uh, Jinx or. You said cute, but then you mentioned yeah. Jinx. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, cute Pokemon. So. <laughs> but there's um... <laughs> oh, yeah, Smoochum too. Smoochum's a cutie. Okay, okay. So, so I like cute Pokemon better than these awesome oh. Charizard type Pokemon. Um, and so for that, I really like Pachirisu, but using it for a game playthrough mm-hmm. i think i would probably mid game get rid of it or replace it with something because it just doesn't have that next level right you know, it doesn't evolve uh so that's like my only downside with it but it's weird because if it did evolve i'd probably still want to keep it as a pachirisu but i would only evolve it <laughs> for the power yeah, same. I think I've definitely put it on the team, but going through the game, most people probably have a Shinx already by this point, and Shinx has a three-stage evolution, which means that it grows a lot more in stats versus Pachirisu. So by the end, I typically kind of leave it behind for the Shinx. But who knows? Maybe just for fun, I'll I'll keep a Pachirisu in my party for Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. But that is basically it for episode 19 of Diamond and Pearl. So let's move on to episode 20 called Mutiny in the Bounty. And the blurb reads, On the way to Floroma Town, our heroes see a Salamance riding woman, Tila Gardevoir from a trainer named Melody. 
Ash and Pikachu come to the rescue, but the mystery woman sends out a Drapion and swipes Pikachu. Team Rocket refuses to be outdone by another Pokemon thief and make their big entrance. Except, the woman steals Meowth, as well before making her getaway. So this is an action-packed first five minutes of the episode. <laughs> and there's a cold open, again, with three... Fairly disconnected parts of the episode, which I was not a fan of. But I would have liked it if they had just shown the first segment. Which um, was uh, Ash trying to battle this new character, and then the new character doing something mysterious to Pikachu. Okay, yeah, I I think that would have been good. That would have been a good like mm. cliffhanger to be like, I need to see what happens in this episode. Yeah, like, what's going on here? But then they add, like, two other things. That I was like, oh, that kind of weakens it overall. But, yeah. yeah, this episode begins fairly unassumingly with with uh, Dawn, Brock, and Ash just strolling up to this house, which has a bunch of beautiful flowers in front of it. And then they see this lady and her Gardevoir outside watering the flowers. But then a woman on her salamance flies overhead and Don scans it with the Pokedex um, before it lands. And she sends out an area dose, just string shot this character called Melodies onto the tree and immediately immobilize her. And I was like, oh, whoa, this is getting serious. Usually Brock would have tried to harass her first. <laughs> yeah, they, they totally left that part out. Yeah, and it's not the first time. It actually happens later on where I'm like, oh, wow, they didn't even do this. That's how you know it's a serious episode. We see the woman tell her Gardevoir to teleport away, which it does. But then uh, this character, which I won't say the name yet because it's a mystery at this point, actually, uh, scans using these high-tech goggles to predict where Gardevoir is going to reappear. And... <laughs> Gardevoir teleports and just reappears about 15 feet away from where it was. So I don't know what the strategy was here, but she's able to predict where, where it reappears and then uses a strange machine on her arm to shoot a ray that petrifies the Gardevoir. Um, very like Mewtwo movie-esque, except it's kind of bronze coloring. To me, it kind of looked like a chocolate Pokemon statue. <laughs> so, like, you could, you know, for instance, uh, Pikachu later on, you could just break the ear off and eat it. Oh, no! <laughs> uh, you know, oh. like those chocolate bunnies and stuff for Easter? Yeah! That's kind of what it looked like for me. <laughs> I might have seen that if it were, like, a little darker. Um, But, oh, gee. You were, were you hungry watching this episode? Maybe a little bit. Okay. Uh, but no, I think the beginning of this episode was fantastic. Oh, so I, ha okay. I haven't watched much of the other animes before this, besides like season one. Mm -hmm. But just starting off this episode with two Pokemon that are like endgame Pokemon mm -hmm. was exciting. It was like a Salamance in the anime. Whoa, that's <laughs> awesome. Like and it's not it's not like the uh the final like tournament 
at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. This is great. Uh, and then a Gardevoir as well, which I I don't know. I think a, a part of me was like, come on, Gardevoir, you can take that Salamance. Right? You got this. I was like, what? Gardevoir can do more than just teleport away. And I was also like, Gardevoir... Well, it doesn't have fairy typing in this gen, to be fair. Oh, that's, that is true. Uh, that's what I was thinking. I was like, oh, that's oh a, you, okay. you could take care of this. Yeah, uh, maybe maybe not then. <laughs> yeah, teleport away. <laughs> it should have at least been sort of smart enough to non-teleport this close. Like, I was like, what are you doing? What's the strat here? Maybe it was tra- going to, like, try and save its trainer or something? Yeah, the Gardevoir at least had to keep an eye on the trainer. Maybe, yeah. So I, I don't blame it for that. But this does end up in Gardevoir being captured, turned to stone, basically, and a nearby, like, high-tech truck, which kind of looks cool, <laughs> uh, sending out these, like, weird circular platform things, like pedestals, that fly over to the Gardevoir and scoop it up to put it inside a, like, a capsule, basically. Um, and then carry it back over to the truck uh which is like the first time i've seen anything like this in the anime yeah it was very futuristic which i thought was interesting compared to like team rocket where you (laughs) you get a lot of robots and and stuff like them but it looks it looks uh maybe power rangers like i don't know Uh, right but this, this was high-tech. like yeah this was next level it was not the same which and makes it was me very question, obvious right and that makes me question like why is no one else using this technology but they don't really address that gotta be so, a rich bounty hunter i guess i i mean you would think team rocket as a like organization not not like our squad of jesse james and meowth might be able to afford this but who knows well that's the thing is they probably do have it somewhere but our point of view always follows jesse and james there's no mm-hmm. way giovanni's giving them good technology <laughs> they get fair. the scraps he's saving it for for butch and cassidy clearly um so they run off with this gardevoir uh don and brock help melody like get out of her webbing apparently so ash decides to chase uh, after the truck um the lady on the salamance starts flying away and ash ash like sees that they had to take the road so he takes a shortcut by like running down this cliff basically and meeting them in the middle of the road where uh salamance also catches up to him and tries to battle ash uh because oh ash tries to stop the truck with a thunderbolt that's what happens and then uh, the lady on the on the drag on the <laughs> on the salamance lands is like oh that's an impressive thunderbolt show me what other moves your pokemon has and ash is like all right full tackle as um out after after she brings out her drapeon which is the first time we see it. So Ash, of course, oblig- obligatory Pokedex scans it uh, and then tries to hit it with a Volt Tackle only for it to dodge and um, stop closer to where the lady on the Salamance is. And she's like, oh, wow, that's impressive. And 
she gives me slight Paul vibes, actually, from seeing her reaction to Voltak on Thunderbolt. Did you see that at all? Um, I did as you were talking about it just now, okay. but not when I watched it. When you brought up the Volt Tackle, and I was like, oh yeah. Uh, Someone Ash else did, did that before. Have, um, yeah, I was like, Ash did have him use uh, the Volt Tackle. Oh yeah, I guess uh, <laughs> Volt Tackle's pretty, a pretty cool move to see on a Pikachu, because yeah. it catches everyone's eye. <laughs> yeah, everyone's like, oh, the Volt Tackle Pikachu, now we're talking. <laughs> um, And this is not to Ash's favor, though, because she pulls out her Aridose and gets Ash stuck to the tree and then uses her, her like, like not. It's basically like if a human were wearing a chocolate a, gun. Uh, no, I was, <laughs> was going to say like the Mega Man Buster uh, gun, but it shoots a petrifying ray that hits Pikachu and then the truck sends out another one of its pedestal thingies to capture it and take it away. And they're gone, basically, until Dawn and Brock catch up with the girl named Melody, who I don't think we ever learn her name, I guess. I don't know how they know it. But, um, of course, to get Ash free, they use Pachirisu's spark attack out of all things, which I thought was kind of odd. I was assuming they might use, like, Piplup's peck or something. Yeah, you could use... Um, well, I guess Ash's Pokemon are probably stuck behind mm -hmm. the webbing, but I was going to say you could use, like, Aerial Ace, you could use Razor, Razor Leaf. Leaf. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, like, if if Ash's Pokemon are mobilized, like, the, the, be the third best option would be Peck, but I guess they just want to show off Pachirisu because it just got added to the party? That's fair. I just would have liked to mm -hmm. see Ash get shocked from that. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I think like, I think that would have been uh, a little bit of good comic relief in right. the midst of this real serious situation. <laughs> yeah, like just give me something to laugh at. Um, but then again, as they go further on, um, the truck gets caught in some smoke, and they're like, "What's happening?" And Team Rocket pops out of nowhere with their motto, which reveals that Mouth can talk. And the lady on the Salamance is like, oh, wow, that's a talking Meowth. That's really rare. <laughs> and, and Meowth plays into that, of course, being being uh, a fan of the compliments, but is not a fan of her next thought, which is to petrify the Meowth and capture it. And immobilizes Team Rocket with another Aerodose string shot and gets them wrapped up around a rock. Um, stealing a third Pokemon in like this, the last five minutes. So the Gardevoir, the Pikachu, and now Meowth are all in her possession as she flies away. Very um, efficient, right? This is like the most, <laughs> the most effective Pokemon robbery I've seen uh, at this point. Yeah, she so, definitely has uh, time management on her resume. <laughs> She sees an opportunity, goes for it, and asks questions later. Real go-getter, yeah, for sure. By the time our heroes catch up to her at the end of the road, like, it's unclear where, what happens here, but they get to the end of the road as far as we can see, though it should keep going because they're not, like, on the ground level. But then a huge ship appears out of nowhere, and you see them board onto there and fly away. And then the ship cloaks itself in a way that 
makes it invisible to the naked eye. So they're gone. <laughs> and Officer Jenny shows up and is like, Hey, I heard what's going on. I'm th- that person is named Hunter J, and she shows like a wanted picture of her. Um, but yeah, I'm here to help. A little too late, but I'm here. <laughs> and again, another moment where Brock would usually harass someone and does not. Yeah, this is the Brock that I like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Respecting people's boundaries, Brock. Yeah, who knew? Uh, like, I wish you had it like this all the time. So, from here, we cut to inside the ship where we see all the stolen Pokemon are being kept in the room. Um, this guy comes out, one of her, like, underlings, uh, with a camera to show that Meowth can talk because they can actually, like, adjust the level of stasis that the Pokemon are in by just pulling down a lever, kind of like a like a, a dim light bulb, basically. Is, it, is that what it's called? Like a dimmer bulb? Yeah, something? dimmer switch. Yeah. Dimmer switch. Yeah, that's what they use to kind of control each of the Pokemon. And they pull it down just far enough to show Meowth's head so he can talk and so that they can record and show that Meowth is a talking mouth, which I think is smart <laughs> um, to show like, oh, this is a new thing that will add to our catalog, he says specifically. And at this point is when Officer Jenny is explaining to our heroes who Hunter J is and how she steals Pokemon with like a unique set of technology. And there's a moment where you see her at a deal and she's given like a briefcase of coin looks like and i've never seen money in the pokemon world depicted like this so i was like huh is that like actual currency or is that like some kind of maybe rare metal or something gold pieces or like bottle caps (laughs) exclusive bottle caps yeah golden bottle caps apparently they look kind of like silver or platinum so that's i was like i don't know what this is but then you see a really heart-wrenching moment because they show a Teddy Ursa in the background that's in stasis. They take it down using the dimmer switch and it just starts like pounding on the glass and crying so they put it back in stasis but you see the tears come out and I was like, no! My Teddy Ursa! I forgot about this until you just said that uh, because... The whole episode, you know, there's a lot going on, mm-hmm. but that was so sad. Like, and it just refroze it, like crying, with this horrible expression on its face. Oh, I felt so bad. No, <laughs> why did you do this? I'm so no, and and like, if that's a real flashback, that means that Tedirsa got sold off somewhere, and we're never gonna see it again. So, uh, it's just too bad to think about. The happiest headcanon I have about it is that at the end of the third Pokemon movie, the Entei movie, you see that she gets, the girl in that movie gets given a real Teddy Ursa. So my headcanon is that the dad or someone bought it for her and like it didn't get sold off into some horrible scenario. 
Uh, my head canon is that that was just an example of uh, okay of the way that Officer Jenny would like explain it because I feel like she says later on that they don't really have like have any leads. No one knows like where they mm. go, mm-hmm. and so they don't really know a whole whole lot about her tech. Uh, so I think I was just kind of hoping that that was uh, just an imaginary. Yes, this is probably what's happening. Okay. Okay, I can live with that also. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a that's a good uh, a good way. That to, relieves to, my to soul. Stay up all night. Yeah. <laughs> but at this point, they're like, "How can we figure out where she's going?" Because as you mentioned, Jenny's like, "We have no intel. Like, we're useless at this point." But Melody's like, "Excuse me, I have a Pokemon that could help," and brings out Curlia. And I was like, "Why didn't you do this earlier?" Um. But Curlia, canonically, as Dawn finds out from the Pokedex, is able to use the horns on its head to detect emotions and kind of interpret them. Um, which isn't really what happens here, but it does manage to use what I assume is future sight to get an idea of where Jenny or where Hunter J is going to strike next. And you see like a. a um water wheel place um and her landing there with salamance uh and curlia shares this image with everyone around her using its telepathic abilities and then it just passes out for some reason so i guess it's just so like oh yeah curlia's not gonna do anything else the rest of this episode but it helped once i guess yeah i didn't think about it being future sight uh, I think oh, that's a, okay. I think that's a really good take from that. But when they're going through the Pokédex, it says something about how it like reads emotions, but it also can like temporarily see the future or something. Oh, it does. Okay. It, yeah, that's what it said in the anime, at least. And so I wasn't thinking about future sight. I was just thinking about the Dex entry and how that applied. And I started thinking about the games where. There's a lot of creepy or weird or just over-exaggerated dex entries that mm. seem impossible, like Magikarp jumping over mountains, you know? Yeah. Um, and so it was kind of surprising to me to to see something in the anime use the dex entry and then actually like have it apply. Yeah, that was pretty satisfying, I would say. Um, I think the execution could be a little bit... A little bit better but it was nice to kind of actually instantaneously use this new information to kind of progress the plot uh, and just use pokemon in in a way that like if you're trying to be smart you would use it in this way so cool payoff there though it does kind of beg the question why she has all these pokemon in the first place because we learned absolutely nothing about this character who has the Gardevoir and the Curlia. I would assume Gardevoir could look into the future as well, mm-hmm. since it's the evolution. Uh, did they not see this coming? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently not. <laughs> um, maybe, maybe it just causes Pokemon to pass out, and so they only use it in dire situations. I don't know. I, I guess, yeah. I, that was apparently the cost of using that ability, but... Uh, it's enough for Officer Jenny to 
to show them where to go next as she brings along her Arcanine. And they all, I guess, run over there because she has like a a motorcycle, but it only has a one seat in it, I guess. So no one's riding with her. But they get there too late in my canon because of that, because no, there's like nowhere <laughs> for them to ride. And they're too late because they've captured an Absol and they're taking it out. But Ash jumps down, confronts Jay, and is like, I want my Pokemon back. Uh, and Salamance uses Hyper Beam. Jenny counters with Arcanine's Flamethrower. And in that confusion, uh, Ash goes over to the truck and sneaks under it to hold on to the bottom of the truck. And Meowth, being kidnapped as well, uh, inspires Jesse and James to do the same thing as they both climb under the truck and as it dries off uh dawn and brock try to like block the road but it just leaps up into the air where you can see a cool shot actually not very realistic but a cool shot of ash jesse and james holding on to the bottom of this cargo truck yeah it uh kind of reminded me of avatar the last airbender i'm not sure if you've watched that you probably have yeah, um, I was going to say, it reminded me of something, but I can't remember what it was. So, like, when Aang's going down um, with Boomy, like, down those slides in Omashu, uh, they, mm-hmm. they're, they like, up in the air. Actually, I think it was uh, with Katara and Sokka. Oh, um, okay. But it, it was in Omashu, the same episode with Boomy. And they, like, go flying in those little mail carts, and then it they just kind of like it's like stops and then they make eye contact with somebody. I think it was maybe the cabbage guy. And then they just keep going and they blow through his cabbages. And it's just like this quick, mm-hmm. like this crazy scene happening. And it then slows you, down it stops. Yeah. And then like, you could tell like they, they both see each other and get the severity of the situation. And then it just keeps going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, well, the, what's weird is that later, in like in the moments of Hunter J like vanishing again, Brock says that to everyone else there, and Dawn's also surprised. So I'm like, wait, Dawn, did you not see that? What? <laughs> he, he tells them like, I, oh yeah, Ash is under that truck, and they're like, what? And, and Dawn apparently uh, did not <laughs> make that connection, <laughs> um, even though she should, but. Anyway, we cut to the ship where the trucks are boarded and it seems like our trio has waited for everyone to leave and uh, climbs out of the garage hangar and says, like, all right, we're going to split up and go and find uh, Pikachu and Meowth, which is kind of cool that immediately they're like, oh, truce, we know what we're doing here. Let's let's all go our separate ways and help out. Um. Ash brings out his APOM to help, so that means there's four people on the ship now looking for the stolen Pokemon. What do you think about that, like, quick-thinking, kind of crisis-mode truce that they have? Yeah, I'm fine with that. I feel like they've <laughs> done that in other situations, too. Right. Um, and, and, I'm, and I'm fine with that, if they both have the same end goal. As long as there's no, like, betrayal at the end by Team Rocket, then... Uh, mm. then i'm cool with it yeah that's always kind of satisfying where like both sides stick through to the end together um 
But here, Apom does manage to find the stolen Pokemon as Hunter J is interrogating the talking Meowth, and Meowth is trying to trick her into making him her, like, assistant because he can talk to Pokemon. And she's like, no, I'm good. <laughs> Which I was like, oh, okay. Uh, that shows she's not playing, I guess. Uh, but she does notice that the door is slightly ajar and immediately tells her assistant, oh, I we we have intruders on board. Like, start searching. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. Like, you, you really put those two, like, things together. <laughs> Yeah, that was a a quick connection, I guess. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that would have been my first thought, but I guess if I were in her situation, I would think that our technology and our plan is just so secure Mm. that there's no way that someone would be on board the ship. Yeah. be like, hey, I would at least maybe question someone like, hey, did you not close this door when you came in, you idiot? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Right. I, I totally see that. I'm surprised that did not happen for sure. Um, I mean, maybe like maybe in the translation it, that didn't come through, but that seems like the more natural thing to do rather than like, oh, the door's slightly open and uh, that means there's someone on board. But it could also just be an indicator that she's not arrogant to the point of thinking that everything that they do is super... 100% safe and um, has no flaws in it. But uh, Apom does end up finding Ash and tries leading him over to the area with Pikachu and Meowth. But she, he's immediately confronted by uh, her and by Hunter J and Drapion. And she's like, oh, she's kind of impressed that he made it on board. Uh, she admits slightly, but then tries to take out Apom and Churchwig, which he sends out. Uh, and they're not a match for this Drapion, unfortunately. Clearly, much higher level is not phased by their attacks. Um, and then Jesse and James barrel through, so they're surrounded at this point. Oh, oh, and there's a cool little moment here where Hunter J's like, Oh, those two aren't anything special. You can, like, get rid of them. And I was like, jeez! <laughs> like, she knows the drill and Drapion's on board automatically. That when she, like, analyzes a Pokemon's worth and lets Drapion know, make sure that this thing gets hurt or doesn't because it's merchandise. Yeah. To me, that, like, makes me wonder how Pokemon get some of their personalities like did she just mm-hmm. find a, a drapion that's just mean and uh <laughs> you know <laughs> pretty much murderous uh yeah <laughs> out in the wild and then they became friends or did the pokemon eventually like morph in uh their personality to grow more like the trainer right was it nurture or nature first yeah definitely by during this moment, Apom, <laughs> Apom finds an air vent that's big enough for Ash to crawl through. So it takes off the lid and they dive right in, um, followed by Team Rocket. And then Turtwick jumps in last, which I thought was kind of a cute moment. Um, uh, I didn't, I don't know. I don't think I like that too much. Um, 
there was no reason for Turtwig to go last, especially when Team Rocket was the ones who brought all the, mm, the mini yeah. uniforms there. Like, Ash needed to jump in there with his Pokemon, and then good luck, Team Rocket, after that. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, yeah, like, logically, you would think, like, maybe if Ash was last, it would make more sense if, if Turtwig was watching his back. But here, it's kind of like, eh, watching Team Rocket's back? Or is it smart enough? smart enough to realize sure team rocket's last but if they get through team rocket they're gonna get to ash uh is like the most optimistic way of viewing this moment i guess the way that like i'm viewing it is there was a potential that turtwig got grabbed before it even jumps in the vent because it lets mm. team rocket go in first yeah that's true too yeah but it works out for them somehow and i guess even though uh, Jay is literally in the doorway for the room that the other side of the vent leads to, she doesn't go in there. Like, it's pretty obvious that this is a one-way vent. So I don't know why she just didn't, like, step back inside the room and wait for them to come out there. But uh, Turdwig is able to blast away the goons on the Hunter Jay side with some razor leaves, which I think would just slice the faces of these people <laughs> uh, especially at like this close range but it just causes an explosion or something but this brings Team Rocket and Ash into the capture room or the prison I guess here where Meowth instructs them to turn down the dimmer so they can free them and uh, Ash takes down Pikachu's, Team Rocket takes down Meowth's and then um Apom, for some reason, takes down Gardevoirs, but not the Absol that was just captured. So now it's it's just all of them trapped in this room uh, that immediately gets busted, I guess, by the goons. To be fair, they, they found them really quickly. Yeah, I think... I don't know. There was a part of this that did bother me a little bit. Like you said, how come she didn't just go back into that room? Mm-hmm. Um, how come she didn't, like, at some point... When she knew that there were intruders on board, how come she wasn't like, hey, make sure we have a bunch of people guarding mm-hmm. these Pokemon we captured because we know yeah. that's their end goal. Like, uh, where else would they, they just, go? They simply, yeah, exactly. And it's like, even if it was an elaborate, like, air duct system, mm-hmm. you know where they're going to eventually show up. Right. They have one <laughs> thing in mind. They're but... clearly here for this one reason. But I guess, uh, you know, the plot needs to come first before yeah. logic. Um, and here, this goon sends out a Golbat to try to take down everyone, and Ash battles back. Uh, it tries to subdue them with Supersonic, but then Pikachu is able to hit it with a Thunderbolt that actually not only hits the Golbat, but, like, hits the, like, generator or something that's on the wall behind them in the hallway. And immediately makes a hole in the ship. Which I was like, oh, jeez, this escalated quickly. Yeah, I like um, how they actually added the physics like of an aircraft. Mm. Where everything was just getting sucked out. Mm-hmm. You see, like, Torchwig and Apom try- starting to, like, get sucked out because they're smaller and way less. And 
Ash is able to return them to their bowls um, before they fall out of the plane. And then sends out Staravia, actually, explicitly saying, Staravia, go tell Officer Jenny where we are. And it just flies out past the goons because everyone is just hanging on to something so they can't stop it. Which I thought was kind of cool. It's like, oh, wow, we actually get to see all of Ash's Pokemon in this episode. And all of them are effective to some extent. Yeah, and I like the way that it wasn't just Ash returning his Pokemon and mm-hmm. like he wasn't affected by uh the air pressure like he was like had his legs like crossed around like a table leg or something yes. uh and so i thought that was really cool right he was the, like like the little details you know mm, he was protecting himself and making sure like he's not just like trying to call back his pokemon while not being in a safe situation himself uh or else there's like no point he's going to fall out too um, but then Staravia flies out of the hole, and the ship is still invisible, but now because Staravia came out, I guess they're able to see it? Like, it's kind of unclear how that helps Officer Jenny and everyone else find them, but um, this is enough to help them spot where the invisible ship is falling. And then I think Jenny uses like these binoculars to kind of zoom in on the whole of the ship as it starts to become visible. And that's where she sees Ash just hanging onto the leg of the table. She's like, there's Ash. (laughs) Um, So that part happens a little bit after when uh, Hunter J is like, in the control room or something. Yeah. She's sitting in the like control room and, and she says something about how like hangar three is under, is under attack and uh, we just need to drop it. Yes. And so once it tells, once they uh, like eject that, that's when um, when Officer Jenny saw Ash. Oh, okay. Yeah. Falling, right? Because like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this is this is the part from the cold open, basically, where you see that this part of the hangar is being removed from the ship. It's basically like them ejecting it from the rest of the of the flying vehicle. Which is massive. It's like the size of a of a cruise ship or something. And Hunter J comes to that decision because in the, the control room she's asking like one of her pilots what what the situation is and if it's repairable. Um and she's like, Alright, we gotta get rid of it because that's going to cause us to fall from the sky and like lose our lose everything. Uh and the pilot tells her, But sir, some of our men are on that and like did you not? Like, she's like, I don't care. Get rid of it. <laughs> Which is like, jeez, they're really touching down how brutal she can be. Wait, did they call her sir? Yes, they call her sir. I feel like I heard that too. But I couldn't remember if maybe you had said that earlier on in the episode. No. And that's what I was thinking about. Or if that's actually what had happened. Uh, I also did weird. a double take. Yeah. I mean, I'm all for it if that's what what how they want to identify I, I don't know at this point and just just confused like <laughs> well i was let us know um because i've heard either in like military situations or like i can't i don't know if it's like war specifically but usually sir is just the designation for anyone uh regardless of gender for people who are in command so 
I'm not 100% sure on like how it used to be, but okay. while I was in the military, uh, it was sir or ma'am. So oh, in okay. that situation, so you would have used ma'am. Interesting. Okay. Um, unless maybe Hunter J is a female, but is disguised as a male uh, to the like to the bounty hunters, which would allow her to maybe like be higher ranking if there's some sort of like sexist agenda or sexist viewpoint on women there. Like, I don't know. Maybe her crew thinks it's a guy and, (laughs) and and like officer Jenny knows it's a girl. Like, I don't don't know. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of, you know, speculation that can be going into that scene. I think that's a cool theory, but I don't think that's what <laughs> But kind of like yeah, I on. mean, yeah, <laughs> we'll go from there. I, I, if you want to tell us in the comments what you think <laughs> is the truth about uh, 100J, uh, feel free to let us know there. But what happens here is she just tells him, all right, get get out, um, get rid of this part of the ship. And you hear dramatic voice saying how could you do this to us as she drops it from the rest of the ship um and as they're falling um you see melody kind of concentrate and mentally project its thoughts to gardevoir and tells it gardevoir use teleport and at the last second it's able to teleport everyone on this particular part of the ship away and onto the ground as it just explodes in the middle of the forest so you see all the goons um ash pikachu team rocket and the absol that's still in stasis just safely land um close to officer jenny and melody so i liked most of the save Mm -hmm. what i didn't like is this is where you know i felt like this episode was very like high pace i feel like there mm-hmm. was a lot of energies so much futurism was going on i thought maybe this is going to be the turn that pokemon takes mm. from stepping away from pg to pg13 <laughs> or r or some you know some crazy oh, rating cool. where they're just going to leave the bad guys who just tried to steal the gardevoir oh. in the capsule or the little hanger as it's falling and teleport everyone else out and just let them crash with the hanger. I don't know you why know? you would I don't know why you would save the people that literally just kidnapped you from your trainer. I'm glad you said that because I was also remembering now as I saw her teleport them away, like you see them take turns. Like it isn't instantaneous that she that the Gardevoir just grabs everyone and leaves. It's like in it, within like milliseconds, you see it like choose people and they disappear. And there was a moment where I was like, everyone who's a hero or like main character is gone, but all yeah. the other goons are still visible in this hangar. But then at the last second, it also grabs them. Um, and it could have just been like, oops, I guess I didn't have enough time to grab everyone. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah, this Gardevoir was <laughs> the one that teleported like 15 feet and made it a big deal. So I was like, yeah, there's a. What's it called? Um, plausible deniability there. <laughs> exactly. But unfortunately, it kept going that PG route. It saved everyone. Yeah. And Jenny, <laughs> 
Jenny lassos them. <laughs> like, of all ways to arrest them, she just throws a lasso around this group of people and is like, you're under arrest. Um, but then everyone's reunited. They, like, free the Absol, I guess. Um, but 100J escapes and is talking to their pilot and says, all right, we have to make a new course now to go get a Gardevoir and an Absol. Which kind of answers a question that I had at the beginning, which is, does she pre-select these targets as, like, specific ones that her clients want to, ha want to have captured? Or is it just her looking across all her options and seeing, like, all right, what's the closest or easiest thing to capture? So I think Officer Jenny kind of answered that earlier on. Oh, okay. Uh, talking about how, at least in her speculation, that they had buyers and targets, mm -hmm. but they also will grab Pokemon that they think will bring in a hefty amount Profit. of money. Yeah. So like the Pikachu with Volt Tackle and the Talking Meowth were, were bonuses that they're like, oh, okay, we can clearly make money for this, even though mm -hmm. it's not on our list of what we need. But yeah, they said like, we need to, we need to get a new Gardevoir and a new Absol for the buyer. Yeah. So it's like, oh, interesting. So I'm wondering, I don't mm -hmm. know if you're uh if you're already into speculation questions or not. Sure. But here we are. Uh you know, I'm wondering like, do we get to find out more about Hunter J? Do we get to see them in later in the season? I would assume so, because it was such a big episode to me. Mm -hmm. Uh also, do we get to find out who the buyer was? Do we get to mm. see like that conflict? Um are they are the buyers going to be brought to justice? Because a lot of times in yeah. situations like this, it's just like the bounty hunters, it's the mercenaries that are um, eventually brought to justice. But I like to see the people that are funding those mercenaries and bounty hunters be put to justice as well. Right. Like the root cause of what's bringing this whole business into existence. Exactly. Well, I do have answers for you, but I don't want to spoil it too much. So I would say stick around and find out. And that's also what I would recommend to anyone else who's listening to Sites on Sinnoh, if you've been watching along with us, which you can do yourself by going to watch.pokemon.com, Pokemon's official, Pokemon's official TV channel, I guess, for like all the anime that it puts up and rotates through. But yeah, I really enjoyed this episode, which was episode 20, Mutiny in the Bounty. And yeah, my final thoughts on it, on it are, it wasn't as good as I remembered it, but still had a really exciting general plot to it and establishment of a new character, which I enjoyed. And mixed up the tone in a really refreshing way for Pokemon. So... I would probably have to give this a seven and a half out of ten. That's it. <laughs> oh man, I, I'm doing that because I know what comes later. Well, then maybe what happens later is I'm going to start giving things like a thirteen out of ten, fourteen oh, yeah. out of ten, uh, <laughs> because I'm going to give this one a solid nine out of ten. It was exciting Ooh, to see. Okay. Yeah, it was. It was really exciting for me to see like futurism in the Pokemon world. Um, it was, yeah. it was a nice fresh take on uh, what a Pokemon thief could actually do versus mm -hmm. a Team Rocket that, you know, ends up screwing up big time every time. 
Yeah, like someone who's effective at their job is an adult and is has actually succeeded. Um, yes. I think what knocks it down a bit f- more for me is because the dialogue in certain places does feel off. Um, like, even explicitly in the first minute when they're going up to free the uh, the character Melody who's tied to the tree, Ash says, are you alright? But his character is facing Hunter J. And I'm like, what? Like that, that just kind of distracted me a little bit. And that's super minor, but just throughout that first sequence, I felt like the interactions weren't as strong as they could be. Um, it was maybe a little too choreographed. But if that were... Otherwise, it's still a really good episode. But if it had those small fixes, those small fixes, it would definitely be stronger for me. That's fair. I've also only watched it once, and you've probably seen it four or five times, so you could be nitpicky with it. Yeah, that's fair. I think I've seen this maybe three times. But yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I was really excited to hear your thoughts on this, and uh, I'm glad that we got something new that's very much an element of Diamond and Pearl introduced here that you got to enjoy. Yeah, I was a little bummed that I wasn't uh, on the podcast for the first gym. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the battles with uh, Paul and Ash there, but uh, this episode twenty definitely made up for it. Nineteen was mm-hmm. fun too, but twenty definitely made up for it. So I won't hold it against you. <laughs> I'm glad uh, I was. I got the mercy ending here. Uh, but yeah, this was a great episode. Four uh, hundred and eighty sixth episode of the Pokemon anime. Uh, for those of you keeping track at home. Um, trying to see if there's any interesting trivia on there. Uh, one point, I guess, that comes across is that Jesse's a Viper says its name at the end of Team Rocket's Maldo, along with Wobbuffet and Mime Jr. The, oh, the episode's English dub title is a reference to the mutiny that took place on the British Royal Navy ship HMS Bounty. According to the majority of accounts, the sailors mutinied because they were attracted to the idyllic life of the Pacific Islands of Tahiti and Pitcairn. I don't know how to say that place, actually. As well as the alleged cruelty of their commanding officer, William Bly. Since then, several books and films have been made based on the event. So, interesting trivia. I don't blame those guys. I'd like to be in, (laughs) in Tahiti right now. Have you been to either of those places? No, I didn't have any idea what that second one was, uh, but yeah. I've definitely heard of Tahiti. Uh, I'll uh, retire there one day, maybe. <laughs> uh, so it looks like the other place is Pit Pitkern, P-I-T-C-A-I-R-N Islands is a group of four volcanic islands in the southern Pacific Ocean that form the sole British overseas territories in the Pacific Ocean. All right, well, all right, Pokemon teaching me something new every day, I guess. Yeah, there's your education. Yes, exactly. Don't say I never did anything for you. But yeah, this has been it for Sights on Sinnoh, episode 11. I'm starting to lose track here. Uh, But thank you, Brady, so much for being here. I am happy that you got this introduction and... You got A, a capture with a new Pokemon, and B, a new villain in this episode. Yeah, it was very exciting. Uh, I'm looking forward to see 
how Pachirisu and Don work together in the future, um, mm-hmm. seeing how Don can overcome maybe her insecurities as a trainer and also the understanding of uh, Pachirisu's excitement. Yes. And also looking forward to see how uh, Hunter J shows back up and uh, how our heroes can deal with her then. Yeah, definitely. And as always, if you want to come along with us on this journey through Sinnoh, feel free to go through our channel and just see all the episodes that we have up. We upload weekly on Saturdays. Maybe changing that if we haven't changed it already by the time this episode's out. But Brady, if people want to find you and learn more about you, what are some other stuff that you do on the internet? Um, I'm on Twitch, mostly chatting in people's streams. But on Thursdays, I am in my own stream. Uh, it's Simbacoil, C-Y-M-B-A-C-O-I-L. And you can also find me on Twitter with the same name, Simbacoil. Perfect. Yeah, and you can find those links in the description below. But yeah, that's pretty much it for this week. Thanks to everyone who listened. It has been great. And we'll catch you next week here on Sites on Cinema. Bye. Peace out.